Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, we are now officially right smack dab in the eye of the NBA offseason storm. And if you're looking for some comprehensive Lakers slash NBA free agency coverage, well, you've come to the right podcast place. If you haven't yet checked it out, make sure to catch our free agency mega deep dive with Hoops Hype salary cap expert Yazzie Goslin in episode number 420, Lowering the Bargain, for all of your off-season minutia needs. After that, make sure to also tap into number 418, Stranger Wings, where Alan and I look at nine cheap, under-the-radar dark horse wings the Lakers should target. Number 417, Maximize the Minimum, where Tommy and I rank our top veteran minimum targets position by position. Number 415, Mid-Market, where Tommy and I rank our top mid-level targets by position. Number 414, Wing-Lose Situation, where Tommy and I scan the barren wing market and talk about some THT trades for wings instead. And then lastly, number 413, Market Canvassing, where Tommy and I take a more macro look at the front office and outline what we hope they'll change philosophy-wise in order to come out of this offseason with a much more competent and intuitive roster. So that's six different podcast episodes covering different aspects of the offseason and free agency. I don't think you'll find a more comprehensive and deep-cutty free agency outlook elsewhere. I mean, my God, we were talking about Abdel Nader, Zaire Smith, and Bruno Caboclo. So anyways, if you appreciate all of the free agency content we've been pumping out this offseason, we would also please like to ask you to take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. It truly helps out a lot, and most importantly, it lets us know that this type of content is insightful and informative and that we should keep producing this content on a consistent basis. But yeah, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for your support. And now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where um, Kyrie Irving, it's crazy. Okay, that's all I got. I didn't, have a, I didn't have an intro prepared, but we are going to be talking about a free agency, the lead-up to free agency. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy's going to be joining me for this first segment where we try to wrap our heads around the enigma and quagmire that is Kyrie Irving and all of the rumors and drama surrounding him and the Lakers. And then in the second segment, Alan Riley will join me to give us his thoughts on free agency since he hasn't really gotten a chance to uh, throw out some names that he likes. And, and yeah, that should help usher us into this crazy week of free agency before free agency has even begun. So yeah, buckle up. But 
yeah, for now, Tommy, let's get right into it. Um, what are your thoughts on Kyrie Irving potentially coming to the Lakers? It's it's crazy that you yeah. I mean, it's just it's crazy that you even have to say this with this type of player because Kyrie is like literally one of the most talented players in the league when he's playing and healthy and his head is on right. He is like a sure thing all-star type player. Um and again, has the potential to be like in terms of at least offensive forces, a top 5 to 10 offensive force in the league, right? And so it's crazy to say like you know, I'm my, uh, I, I feel guarded, you know, like about it. Um, but it is what it is. But I mean, the crazy thing is right. Given our context of where this team stands, if, if getting Kyrie, if, if you're thinking about like Kyrie as a swap for Westbrook, it's just like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when you, when you hear Darvin Ham sort of do these mental gymnastics to try and make Russell Westbrook work, I'm almost like, I'd rather you do that for someone who actually has the skills that we want, <laughs> you know, like Kyrie Irving. Like, you're going to have to do some mental gymnastics with Kyrie Irving as well. But at least you know, if you're able to get on the same page as Kyrie Irving, that he is the perfect fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court when it comes to providing the spacing, providing the secondary primary initiating capabilities, and just like, you know, the insane isolation skills that he has that really bends a defense all on its own. So I I don't know logistically how this is all going to play out. If Kyrie Irving is really going to come to us for the, for the mini MLE, or if he's going to opt in and the Lakers are going to try and work a trade with the Brooklyn Nets and the Brooklyn Nets are just going to have to get whatever they can get from us. You know, do you have any pulse on, on which way you think it'll go if Kyrie Irving does come to Lakers? Do you think it really is as, crazy as okay for one year let's do this Kyrie Irving will come for the mini MLE and then what happens to Westbrook in that scenario I'm not sure because if Kyrie comes and you're thinking about keeping him long term you almost have to sit on Westbrook's contract and let it expire in 2023 so that you do have that cap space to then pay Kyrie more you know but yeah, so I, I don't guess know. yeah, I mean, I haven't gone super down the mini MLE rabbit hole at this point because I feel like that's just totally not a realistic thing. I know people are like, "Well, Kyrie's crazy, so he might do it." No, I mean, Sam Amick actually came out or Friday and said it's a realistic possibility. Just you know, Kyrie spiting uh, the Brooklyn. I Nets, think but- it's realistic in the sense that he's threatened to do that. I, I just think that like you call someone's bluff. Like he's not going to. He's using the Lakers as leverage, and frankly, a lot of these teams as leverage. Um, the reality is he has no easy way of getting here unless the Nets participate. Um, I, th- I frankly think the only way you can get him is if you do some sort of three-team trade involving Russ going to... Because I don't think the Nets want Russ either. So, you know, some sort of three-team trade involving Russ going to a third team and Kyrie coming here. Um, I, I, I don't know. I... I've heard the mini MLE stuff and it's just hard for me to like mentally engage in it because it just seems like so out of, out of question. Right. But if there was anybody that was going to do it, it is probably Kyrie Irving. But I guess the question though is, yeah, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole with Kyrie. We'll see what happens when it happens, but I just know that it's going to be such a wacky year if, if that happens. And I, I mean, 
I, for one, am totally down to see it just because I trust Darvin Ham's ability to get through to a guy like Kyrie. And again, as I was saying, I'm much more confident. I mean, this is a no-brainer statement, but I'm much more confident in Darvin Ham getting through to Kyrie's weird eccentricities and being able to make it work off the court, but also having that translate on the court and actually seeing something like this work, you know, because given the state of the Lakers right now, Kyrie Irving or not, Westbrook or not, there's not a lot of avenues that I see for the Lakers to create a contending team this next season, right? Right. So if there was ever any chance, it would be this one bullet in the barrel Kyrie Irving shot that actually propels us into a place where we can actually contend because getting Kyrie, LeBron, AD, at least you have a shot then to try and fill out your roster with veteran minimums and actually make a run provided all those three are healthy. I mean, it's it's almost like lesser of how many evils with Kyrie Irving, right? But you know that if you just have him on your squad and you can put him on the court and he's actually able to play games, we may have a shot to make some noise. So I don't know. We'll see. But moving away from the Kyrie Irving stuff, Tommy, let's talk about free agency. In a vacuum, regardless of what happens with a Russell Westbrook trade or a THT or none trade, just in terms of the Lakers mini MLE and veteran minimum signings, you've had you know, a couple weeks now to dwell on which free agents are out there uh, more thoroughly. Has anything changed in your thought process of who the Lakers should target? Like, so example, in the non-Monk scenario for the mini MLE, is there a particular player now that you have your eyes set on to try and target now with Darvin Hammond fold, et cetera, et cetera? So actually, I feel like my answer is so pessimistic. I feel like even less optimistic than the last time oh, we did. Yeah, we talked okay. about this stuff because it's like you sort of get a sense for where the market is going for some of these guys. I guess that's one thing that's changed last time, right? Like PJ Tucker opting out, apparently trying to seek like at least a three-year, $30 million deal. The guy's 38 years old, and I know he's a solid defensive player, but like... You know, if guys like him are going for that amount of money and, you know, the wings, to the extent there are, like, guys like Batum who have opted out but are, like, clearly intending to re-sign with their own team, um, same exact thing with Bobby Portis, like, you just sort of get the sense that this is not going to be a very generous market. Um, I think we have a very glaring need at the wing position, like all wings, Um but uh you know it i it's just hard to imagine with when you you know you were talking about the Kyrie, we were talking about the Kyrie step but like you know with one sort of bullet in the chamber you look at the list and it's like how are we going to undo all the problems that this roster has with like one signing so i don't feel super optimistic about anybody to be honest well let me assuage your fears because The wing market has always looked very dearth and scarce. And I think if you're solely focusing on a wing for that mini MLE spot, you're going to be very, very disappointed. And it's very likely that you end up overpaying for a middling wing, you know? And I think the value in this year's market comes in the big men and big men who are looking for more opportunity and big men who are looking for 
a coach who knows how to use and utilize big men well. Luckily, we have that guy in Darvin Ham who can point to, look what I did for Brooke Lopez, got his first Defensive Player of the Year award under me. Look what I did for Bobby Portis. Look what I did for even Robin Lopez when he was on the Bucks, right? Darvin Ham can point to him being able to utilize multiple bigs in a system and make it work. And the guys out there this season who you can really bank on, and if you go after them aggressively, I think the Lakers can actually get them. Screw the Otto Porter Jr. It's really Otto Porter Jr. and then everybody else, right? And Otto Porter Jr. is probably going to go for $10 million. So if you focus way too much on that wing position, you're going to lose out. And actually, after Otto Porter, you get into a range of wings where it's almost like you can probably moneyball your way into the same value sort of wings that are the next tier down from Otto Porter. So if you're talking about Torian Prince or Derek Jones Jr., Jeremy Lamb, just mon- moneyball your way into getting Josh Akogi, getting PJ Dozier for the veteran minimum, Troy Brown Jr. Find those guys instead. Get a Utah Watanabe who's an unrestricted free agent. Forget about giving your one spending tool on a wing unless you can get Otto Porter Jr., right? Which you likely can't and go for a big. And so for me, it always goes back to trying to go after Jalen Smith, trying to go after Isaiah Hardenstein, and on the on the more reachier side of things, try and go after Mo Bamba, right? Because that's where you can find the value of someone that you can actually groom as well and develop and have under your system with Darvin Ham, who knows how to use bigs. So um, what are your thoughts on that angle? And do you like going after a Jalen Smith, uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, or a Mo Bamba? I think of the that crew, like Isaiah, Isaiah Hardenstein is the one that's the most interesting to me. I think postseason, we're going to be playing with 80 at the five, so it's sort of moot. But I think last season, really the last two seasons, have been a, you know unfortunate reminder of how fragile AD can be. Um, and I just don't think his body can tolerate, you know, 82 games. It's not even like the physical beating. It's just... By nature of him playing the five, he is just in the paint a lot more. And if this guy, like, lands wrong or, you know, he's just mucking it up where it's like you don't have great landing position to get your feet under you under there, right? So it's like I feel like that plays a role. And I feel like because of all this stuff, I think they might maybe go back to AD not being at the five. And in that scenario, you know, Hartenstein kind of helps you um there so i i and he's a good defensive player so i don't hate him as a prospect the other guys again it's i like them all as long-term prospects it's just like a very bizarre fit with this team in some respects but who's who's not going to be a bizarre fit i know that's the thing yeah um pretty much everybody would be at that point you might as well try and hedge both sides right and try and think about the future but also I mean, I just like that we have a coach who's experienced dealing with multiple big men, you know? Yeah. And so I I toggle back and forth between Jalen Smith and Isaiah Hardenstein just because Isaiah Hardenstein, by all advanced metrics, is an elite defender, both rim protection-wise and even defending the perimeter as a big man, which is very enticing because you can easily see how he'd fit into that Brooke Lopez interior defense mold. But at the same time, on the offensive end, he's not Brooke Lopez. He's more Robin Lopez, actually. And while he does have the ability to space in the fact that he's a really good passer, 
and you can probably use him at the high post, like dishing it off to a bunch of people. And he does have the ability to stretch, but he's definitely not a stretch big man. I think he was like, he hit like 15 threes last season. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely not your Sergio Baca, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis type, which is why I tend to toggle back to Jalen Smith because it seems like Darvin Ham is really putting an emphasis on, you know, athletic, energetic big men who can defend but also can space the floor for you on the other end. And when your superstars are AD and LeBron, it's even more imperative that your center or your big man next to them can at least be a threat to space the floor. So that's why I toggle back and forth um, between whether it should be Jalen or Isaiah. Jalen does have the advantage because he's like two years younger. But regardless, any of those bigs, those young bigs, I think that's where the value can be found versus, I mean, would you rather have Jalen Smith or Torian Prince at $6 million? Right. I mean, at that point, it's like a retread. And again, you can get a Torian Prince type player for the minimum if you look hard enough in this market because people are going to get pinched out because a bunch of teams only have the mid-level to use. And at that point, that's going to be going to like the higher end names like Tyus Jones, Bruce Brown Jr. And then all of a sudden, like these middling guys, you know, even like a Josh Jackson's going to Josh Jackson was a minimum player the last few years anyway. So I don't know. Give a shot to Josh Jackson if you want to or Justin Anderson. I think these guys, Justin Anderson or Josh Jackson at the minimum to me almost can be equated to actually not can be equated to. I really like Torian Prince, by the way. It's like, I'd rather give them the minimum than give Torian Prince the mini MLE. And there's an argument to be made that you could probably get Torian Prince for the minimum too, if you try hard enough or Darvin Ham works his magic. Um, But Tommy, it might interest you to know that at this point, Derek Jones Jr. may be looking to be more like a minimum guy too. So, you know, if you can get guys like Derek Jones Jr., Daniel House for the minimum, I think go that way and then reserve your mini MLE for some of these big men. All right, so let's take it to our first break. And when we return, I will throw out some different free agency roster builds to Tommy to see if he likes any of my off-season ideas. So we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we are back. So to close this segment, close this episode out, Tommy, I, I actually built out some free agency roster builds of seven free agency signings, including the mini MLE. And I just want you to review them and tell me what you think, okay? So I'm going to give you the Monk scenario, the one where we give Monk the mini MLE, and then the non-Monk scenario. And you tell me how those are, how you're feeling about those. You ready? God, okay. <laughs> I'm not ready, but let's, let's, uh, let's do it. So I know a lot of people are worried about giving Monk the mini MLE for a lot of reasons, because we're wasting it on a non-position of need at this point. And this is, you know, in a vacuum. We don't know what's happening with Nunn, Westbrook, etc. I'm just talking about here are the seven roster spots that we're likely going to have to fill. One MLE spot, six veteran minimum spots. And this is how I want to see, or this is an iteration of what I'd like to see the Lakers do. So this is the Monk scenario where Monk gets the mini MLE. And I do think, I want to add to that, there is a benefit to keeping Monk on the mini MLE because if we keep him on for one, one more year, we have his early bird rights, right? So even if we trade him to another team, that team will get Monk's early bird rights. And I think that's valuable. So just keep that in mind. So with a mini Emily, we give it to Monk. He returns. Cool. We get to build some continuity off of that. If we get Monk, I then think it's imperative to then be able to convince 
one wing player to do the Otto Porter special and have that wing player who's looking for a better opportunity take a massive pay cut for one year uh, to just play play with the Lakers. So this year's Otto Porter, I think, could be TJ Warren. So mm. mini Emily, Monk, and then Darvin Ham somehow convinces TJ Warren, hey, you have a starting role here. And TJ Warren's like, okay, I need to make good contract anyways. I'll take the veteran minimum. TJ Warren is your next veteran minimum guy um, or your first veteran minimum signing after signing Monk. If TJ Warren is unrealistic and he's not willing to do that, then I'd also see if you can get Torian Prince for the mini or for the veteran minimum. So one way to mitigate giving Monk the mini MLE is by getting this sort of, you know, bargain wing who's probably worth more than the minimum to take the minimum. So TJ Warren or Torian Prince. So right now we've got Monk, TJ Warren slash Torian Prince. And then second, I'd go after Utah Watanabe, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. The only reason why he's not returning to the Raptors is because they have 10 guys who are like 6'9". <laughs> <laughs> and by all accounts, all the Raptors fans and all the Raptors beat, they all have said that Utah Watanabe, whenever he's got a minutes, has played really well. And just his specs as a player bears that out as well. So... Monk, TJ Warren slash Torian Prince, Utah Watanabe, if you want to go older or more experienced than maybe a Nemanja Bialitsa, who's sort of the same sort of prototype as Utah. And Nemanja in the finals also showed that he can play defense pretty well on Jason Tatum. I don't know how, how that'll translate over an 82-game regular season, but Nemanja gives you that spacing that um, Darvin Ham likes, but also can provide apparently some defensive grit. So Utah Watanabe slash Nemanja Bialitsa. Then P.J. Dozier, reclamation project coming off of an ACL injury, but he's ready to play basketball again. And we know that he can contribute to a competitive team, played for the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs, and is that wingy sort of player who can do a lot of things, is very versatile. And then I'd go after DeMarcus Cousins slash Serge Ibaka if Darvin Ham can swing uh, Serge Ibaka taking the veteran minimum. Serge and DeMarcus Cousins played for the Bucks last season. Uh, DeMarcus for short 10-day stints, but... They both have familiarity with Darvin Ham, but they would fit in Darvin Ham's four-out, one-in system as a spacing big. And then I would go after Moses Brown just to have that seven-foot tall center, break-in-case-of-emergency type guy. And then lastly, this is where I'd put Daniel House to add a wing who can also space the floor as well. Or, you saw this coming already, or... Bo Cruz slash Juancho Hernan Gomez, if he gets bought out by the Utah Jazz, I think he would be the perfect sort of uh, utility player for Darvin Ham as well as that sort of Kuzma proxy as a forward who can get rebounds, uh, hustle around the court, but also space the floor for you. So in totality, Monk for the mini Emily, TJ Warren slash Torian Prince, Utah Watanabe slash Nemanja Bialitsa, PJ Dozier, DeMarcus Cousins slash Serge Ibaka, Moses Brown, Daniel House slash Juancho Hernan Gomez. What are your thoughts on that roster if the Lakers are able to make it happen? Um, I was just trying to think of all of the former big three teams, and I can't think of like any of them that had a supporting cast this poor. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, so it's kind of depressing. I mean, look, I think the names that you pulled out and everything you put together there makes a lot of sense, but... It require like you know it. If all of that worked out, 
fine, but a, a big chunk of this relies on a guy who had essentially hasn't played basketball in two years getting back to what he was in like the 2019-2020 season in TJ Warren, mm-hmm. right? So it if that all pans out, then sure. Um but yeah, it it just seems like it it's just like very disheartening to hear these uh <laughs> these free agent names. But I like the I like the blend you put together. I mean, it fits what it seems like Ham and and you know, the new, the front office's new thinking moving forward is trying to do. I mean, look, if this is the roster that we had actually compiled last year, though, we would have probably made the playoffs. So, and and this is not including, right? This isn't including Kendrick Nunn, THT, whatever happens with a Russell Westbrook trade, if they're able to swing it. So that's something to keep in mind. This is just like like the back end of the roster to provide some versatility and positions of need, right? So this is going to rely on not only the Moneyball signings, but Moneyball development. And making sure that you're able to Caruso the hell out of getting these players to fill a role almost perfectly for Darvin Ham's system and making everything coalesce together, right? So a lot of things have to work out um, in the Lakers' favor, including, you know, TJ Warren being healthy. So lastly, I have the non-Monk scenario. So for the mini, M- sorry, for the mini MLE, Jalen Smith or Isaiah Hardenstein, and then for the veteran minimums, we have Eric Bledsoe, Daniel House, DeMarcus Cousins slash Serge Ibaka, PJ Dozier. I'm adding Bryn Forbes here because since we lost out on Malik Monk, we, we're going to need a three-point shooter. Um, and I know Bryn Forbes doesn't give you the defense, but I think he does have familiarity playing with Darvin Ham with the Bucks. So Bryn Forbes, and then I'll add Nemanja Bialica. So Jalen Smith slash Isaiah, Eric Bledsoe off a buyout. Daniel House, DeMarcus Cousins, slash Serge Ibaka, PJ Dozier, Bryn Forbes, Nemanja Bialica to round out the roster. Your thoughts on the non-monk scenario? Um, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's just so hard for me to get excited about any of these names. I feel like that second list is maybe a little bit more what we've tried to do in years past. It, you know, in terms of guys who can defend a little bit better. I don't, see how on a team that already has Russell Westbrook, you can justify bringing in a guy like Bledsoe. Now, if we get rid of Russell Westbrook... Oh, I'm assuming... Yeah, I'm assuming Westbrook's gone, yeah. If Westbrook is gone, then maybe you can work with somebody like Bledsoe. Um, And he actually fits... You know, when you talked earlier about, like, all the stuff that Ham has been saying about how they intend to use Westbrook, it really makes sense if you swap the name Westbrook for Bledsoe. <laughs> you know, basically play defense and play off the ball um, on offense and try to play in the dunk. And play spot. off the bench, which is what Bledsoe has done the last year. And so. play off, exactly, and play off the bench. So it it's... it, But I, I don't know. I mean, like, look, we have... A, I think what this has kind of brought to light is we have a lot of holes to fill. Um, so hopefully we can get that done. Well, they have a lot of holes to fill, and they, they better make sure that they're able to swing a Westbrook trade, or else it, it's it's literally going to look like Moneyball season for the for the Lakers the whole season. And, you know, for Lakers fans that are, you know, ready to move on from the LeBron era, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing because you're able to see some younger projects like, you know, the Stanley Johnsons of the world in Utah Watanabe or PJ Dozier or whatever, Moses Brown. See some of those guys try and flourish and see if you can mine for some upside uh, for the future in the Max Christie era of the Lakers. God, that sounds depressing. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, you know, add guys like Josh Akogi, et cetera, et cetera. Look, the Lakers are going to have to be very, very creative this free agency period. I've done the work ahead of time and been creative for them. And even then, Tommy, you don't like you don't even like this creative approach because because I guess it's still not going to get you to contention status. Right. But I guess for me, I'm setting the bar low too. can we even just be like a playoff team, you know, so. Well, I don't know. It's and it's not like that's the sad part about it, right? Because even that's not a guarantee. If you look at the West, it's like the Suns aren't going anywhere. The Clippers aren't are going to be you know great next year if healthy. The Warriors aren't going anywhere. Dallas isn't going anywhere. That's four. Memphis isn't going anywhere. That's five. It's like you know where do we? Denver, by the way, is getting back Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Um, where do we fit in? Are we going to be? a seven seed? Are we going to be contending for the, you know, somewhere in the top 10 again, barely? I mean, like it, New Orleans is around. Um, I mean, there's just like all kinds of uncertainty and the fact that we've put together this roster that's completely decimated and relies on three people like carrying an entire group. And nobody thought like, you know, to the extent these big threes have worked out in the past, it's been three guys all in their prime who are able, able to play 40 minutes a game and give you stats in every, you know, every category. And that's not what we have here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what Rob does. So essentially what you're saying is we need Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? My, you know what's so funny that I was thinking about this? As it pertains to Isaiah Hardenstein, I don't think either of us would complain if the Lakers were somehow able to nab Isaiah Hardenstein. But what what would you think if at I guess at, at this point it will be twelve oh one p.m. Um, Pacific time on Friday? What if at twelve oh one p.m. Pacific time, Rob Palenka says that they've signed Isaiah Hardenstein? What does that move? What does that move? <laughs> what what is it similar to? What does that remind you of? It, it kind of reminds me of the Mozgov It situation. absolutely <laughs> does. Because Mozgov wasn't a terrible player, right? In fact, he's kind of like Isaiah Hardenstein. So that's why, that's why it makes me laugh. Because I think Isaiah Hardenstein obviously is a, is a much better player than Mozgov. But just the state of affairs that the Lakers are in, it, it would just be so hilarious if at 12.01 p.m. Rob Palenka signs Isaiah Hardenstein. And, and obviously it won't be too like a... $72 million, three-year contract, four-year contract or whatever. But uh, I just thought that was funny. All right. With that said, buckle up for free agency, I guess. Um, Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. All right. So we'll bid adieu to Tommy now. We'll take one more break. And when we return, we have one additional segment with Alan Riley where we'll talk about which young free agent and which old free agent he's interested in that he thinks the Lakers should try and sign this offseason and just get his general thoughts on free agency as we race into the crazy week ahead. So we will catch you guys after the turn. Anyways, Alan, let's talk about free agency. We've been talking about free agency for the last month, Tommy and I have at least, but we haven't had you on to talk about free agency. So to help us usher in the start of free agency, I've said free agency like six times in the last 30 seconds. Alan, let's just go through this quick little segment I like to call Young and Old, and it's fairly straightforward. Alan, I'm going to give you like a list of young dudes with upside who may be let loose by their current teams, and you give me your top, your top guy and maybe any other guys you're interested in that list who intrigue you the most. And then I'll also give you a list of older vets around ages 
32 to 38 who you would deem acceptable after a year of PTSD with all the geriatric dudes that the Lakers just had. So let's start with the young dudes. Um, And I'm calling this category the inaugural Malik Monk upside category. So out of these free agent young guys who could be available out there, I want you to tell me who you think could be the Lakers' next Malik Monk reclamation project. And to be clear, Monk wasn't really a reclamation project. He actually had his best season the year prior to coming to us with the Lakers. But just because of the Charlotte Hornets' circumstances, them having to prioritize other young guys on their team, they chose to not give Malik Monk his qualifying offer and let him become an unrestricted free agent. So there could be that same situation that crops up for some of the guys that I list soon after. Um, But yeah, I just want you to tell me who intrigues you the most and who you think could be that next uh, high upside Malik Monkish type gamble. So here's the list. Mo Bamba, 24 years old. Jalen Smith, 22 years old, formerly of the Phoenix Suns, got traded to the Indiana Pacers, showed a little something at the end of the season with the Pacers. Former number 10 pick, I believe number 10 pick in the lotto a few years ago. Derek Jones Jr., 25 years old. Troy Brown Jr., 22 years old. Josh Akogi, 23 years old. Caleb and Cody, the Martin twins, uh, 26 years old, both of them, because they're twins. Who's older than the other? Who knows? Uh, Marvin Bagley, 23 years old. Isaiah Hardenstein, 24 years old. So out of that list, who intrigues you the most as someone who could potentially give you that high upside gamble that we had with Monk, but on a, on the cheaper end of the scale, not because they weren't good prospects, but just because in their circumstance, they may have not gotten the requisite minutes that they were expecting as a high end first round pick or lotto pick, or their teams just ended up going in a different direction, or maybe their teams were competitive and their teams didn't allow them the, you know, amount of developmental minutes that they probably needed to show what they needed to show. So who intrigues you the most and who you think is the most monkish candidate? Yeah, so I like Mo Bamba. I like Josh Akogi. Josh Akogi, I mean, okay, offensively, I think, you know, we know his numbers are not, like, astonishing by any stretch. Uh, doesn't put up a whole lot of shots per game. He doesn't uh, shoot particularly well either. Uh, you know, so as far as this, like, oh, he's not like Malik Monk at all. He's like a microwave. It's like, that's not what we're saying. But Josh Akogi on the defensive end is, like, Malik Monk on offense, right? Mm-hmm. So Josh Akogi, I remember we were scouting him back when he was in college. Um, and I remember being pretty hyped up about, you know, his profile back then. Uh, he he has super quick hands. Uh, I'm really impressed with, like, his anticipation, whether it's playing passing lanes or just taking advantage of guys when, um, you know, they're just, like, trying to cross over in front of him. Um, I, I would say that he's also someone who is... Uh, extremely disciplined on defense. Uh, there are a lot of times when um, he's guarding a player one-on-one in the perimeter, shot clock's winding down, right? And you know the shot's going up, so he doesn't go for the block shot. He stays disciplined, he stays on the ground, gets his hands up, stays vertical. Um, he has really good footwork on defense as well. And uh, he just seems like he's a very relentless uh, type of a defender. And we all know that, you know, we are sorely missing uh, defenders like that who we could just be like, okay, we're going to put you on the other team's, you know, best player. Um, and he's he plays a lot bigger than he actually is. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, his versatility, um, I, I feel like he could – you know, he could D up a point guard. He could D up like a three and wing type of guy who might be three or four inches taller than he is. Uh, he, he's very strong as well. 
Um, I think there's one highlight that a lot of people are probably familiar with. He, like, blocked James Harden shot yep, out on yep. the three-point. Yeah, like, he just ate him up. He swallowed him, right? So uh, I'm pretty – I really like Josh Okoge. Um, but you give up a lot on the offensive end. I, I think that's the one concession. To add on to your point, though, Alan, he – is almost THT like in the fact that he's six four, but he has a seven foot wingspan, and THT is six five with a seven foot one wingspan, right? Um, and the other thing with Josh Okoge is he's almost like I describe him. I describe him as like you want him to follow the Gary Payton the second template, but he does it in almost THT's body, which is great. So, uh, but yeah, any uh, any other exposition on Mo Bamba? Mo Bamba, you kind of kind of straightforward there, but you can go ahead. Okay, so. It's like, I thought I knew Mo Bamba's game, but I, apparently, you know, he's like Carl Anthony Towns when it comes to shooting threes. Uh, I did not realize that uh, he was such a good shooter. It's okay, you, you watch like a YouTube video highlight. Oh my God, he hit seven threes against Philadelphia or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's like one game. But then, you know, you go on Basketball Reference and you see how well he actually shoots the three ball, which... On the one hand, it's like, okay, cool, like, modern NBA, whatever, but it's also like, okay, get your get your butt in the paint sometimes, though, too, um, because his um, per 36 numbers for rebounds is, like, nine rebounds a game, and it's like, wait, that's per, per 36? So mm. that means that if you're floating out there on the perimeter, pick and pop, that uh, you're actually not, you know, crashing the boards um, as much as you would think when you're, like, seven feet tall. Um but yeah, his, his offensive package uh, really surprised me. If anything, I thought he might be like a take two or three threes per game and then, you know, hopefully hit one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like double <laughs> those numbers. So that's pretty intriguing. And uh, the Lakers just have a history of, you know, taking the Orlando Magic Centers. And that's true. Yeah, you could already like see the writing on the <laughs> wall there. Yeah, Mo Bamba shot 38% from three this past season, hitting like 1.5 a game, and a, and a spatterings outside of that seven three three point game or that game where he hit seven threes, he has spatterings of like five threes, five threes, four threes. So it's pretty pretty crazy if he can, can continue to build off of that. For me, I won't expand too much. You guys have kind of known my thought process here, but my number one most monkish candidate would be Jalen Smith, uh, former lotto pick of the Suns. Like Monk, I feel like he was just in the wrong situation with the Suns. He showed a few flashes here and there as recently as last year with them, actually, during COVID bonanza when everybody was out. The Suns needed a fill-in starter during December, January, and he had three different 19-point outings for the Suns during the end of December into January. And then with the Indiana Pacers, I mean, everything you said about Mo Bamba, you can kind of apply to Jalen Smith because he shot... 37% with the Pacers, or 37% from three with the Pacers, hitting 1.4 a game, 53% from the field, 13.7.6 rebounds, one block, 0.4 steals in just 24 minutes in 22 games with the Pacers. And so for me, and the fact that he's only 22 years old, Malik Monk was 23 when he got him last offseason. So for me, it's almost like he hasn't shown as many as, as many flashes as Monk did, but I think with a big guy with that size and that athleticism, I think he does have to work on his strength defensively, being able to bang down low, but he's already halfway there with his body size. And I think he's built a little bit more sturdily than obviously the very frail Mo Bamba, but I really like Jalen Smith as my most Monkish candidate. I have Mo Bamba number two for everything you said. So Jalen Smith, number one, Mo Bamba, number two, and then number three, I have, you know, either of the, the Martin twins just because they are very solid. And I think they've just started reaching the precipice of who they can become this past season after two seasons of, you know, just trying to make the league in the first place. All of a sudden, uh, Caleb found his footing with the Miami Heat this year. 
Cody found his footing with the Charlotte Hornets. I think Cody shot 38% from three with the Hornets, a career high, and then Caleb shot 41% with the Heat, a career high. And then you realize that both of them are like 6'6", with a fairly decent wingspan, and actually are known for their defensive grit. And I guess that's maybe not without stating, because they're trying to hustle and make it into the league, right? You have to stake your name on probably the defensive end to get any sort of minutes, and I think that's what Caleb and Cody have done. And to this point, staking their claim on defense and, and not being a liability on that end, they've been able to show more of their flashes offensively as guys who can knock down threes, be incredibly athletic, and um, also be able to hit uh, you know a dribble pull-up jump shot or whatever. So those would be my three, uh, my top three candidates of guys who I would consider the most monkish. Uh, Alan, to close the segment out, let's talk about the vets. In spite of the fact that we have PTSD from the AARP crew we had last year, we are still going to need some reliable vets over the age of 32 to help propel us in the playoffs. So who out of the following list of old guys intrigues you the most? And I'm going to call this, like we called the last one, the Malik Monk Award. Let's call this the Dwight Howard Award. The 2019-20 Dwight Howard Award of a guy who you can maybe get for the vet minimum or maybe the mini MLE who you can extract the most value out of, even though you're kind of like, oh, he's like 34, you know? So here's the list. Thaddeus Young, 34 years old. LaMarcus Aldridge, 37 years old. Serge Ibaka, 32 years old. Danilo Gallinari, 34 years old. He is non-guaranteed. He has a non-guaranteed $20 million contract. It remains to be seen if the Atlanta Hawks will waive him or if they trade him to another team who waives him. But Danilo Gallinari, 34 years old. JaVale McGee, 34 years old. James Johnson, 35. Goran Dragic, 35. DJ Augustine, 34. Hassan Whiteside, 32. Gorgie Dang, 32. DeMarcus Cousins, 32. Uh, Robin Lopez, 34. And then there are a couple of guys like P.J. Tucker, Nick Batum, and Patty Mills who all have player options, but we're not sure if they're going to be unrestricted free agents. But out of that sort of list, what what old guy would you be like, okay, I, st- I still think there's something left in the tank there? So it's a huge variable. And it's like, okay, notwithstanding injuries, which is like the biggest thing because they're all older, right? Yeah. I mean, I... I think Serge Ibaka has been pretty serviceable up mm-hmm. until just very recently, you know. Um, this year was kind of a weird one for him. He got traded, and it was like, oh, okay, he's on the Bucks now. That, that's a big deal. Um, I, I would still put my money on Serge being a guy that uh, I don't think he's a wash <laughs> at all at this point, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Lakers, they still need that guy who can bang down low, right? And Serge Ibaka is very strong. He's that dude who has shown he can muck it up in the paint, get rebounds, but it would massively help Anthony Davis and the Lakers if that same guy who can muck it up down low can also space the floor. And that's literally what Serge Ibaka, that's the only remnant of his offensive game that exists, right? Like shooting pick and pop jump shots and threes. So I agree with you. Know you. Why else? Yeah. you know why else we need him? Because he's a chef. Because he's we can a chef. Get some that's of those right. those cooking videos. Apparently, uh, his his nickname is Mafuzzy Chef. So uh... <laughs> actually, you're making me rethink my list. Maybe he shoots up number one to the top there. But yeah, check the chef Sergi Baca out on YouTube. His uh, cooking channel or whatever. I think Jeremy Lin is in one of those videos. Um, so for me, Sergi Baca rounds out my list as well. Just really quickly, I have um, I have Thaddeus Young number one actually. So. Thaddeus Young, one. DeMarcus Cousins, two. Number three, Serge Ibaka slash Gorgie Dang. Thaddeus Young, number one, just because even at 33, 34, he showed that he can still contribute to a playoff team like the Toronto Raptors. 
did a little stint with San Antonio for a team that didn't really have him in their long-term plans, but with the Chicago Bulls and Last season, he averaged 12 points, 6 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.6 blocks. He can hit a corner three-point shot. He did shoot 39% with the Toronto Raptors from three on a low volume. He hit 0.7, but overall, I just like Thaddeus Young's versatility because he can almost be that. I've described him as this multiple times, but he can be your poor man's Draymond Green, right? Average four assists with the Chicago Bulls. Throughout his career, he has always had an, a very insane steal rate, career 1.4 steals a game. He gives you that size. He can handle the ball and transition off the rebound and initiate that way, push the ball that way. He can play, yeah, like I mentioned, he can play the four. He can play the small ball five. He can defend wings for you. I really like Thaddeus Young's length. He's like 6'8 with a seven-foot-plus wingspan. So Thaddeus Young, I would put number one just because of the versatility he provides. DeMarcus Cousins, pretty much the same things you said about Serge Ibaka. And you saw DeMarcus Cousins actually contribute to the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs this year and contribute very well, actually, and showed that he definitely still has something left in the tank, can space the floor for you. In a pinch, he can almost do that Carmelo Anthony thing where you dump it down low to him, and he's not as athletic as he once was. He was never really athletic, but he's definitely even lost more of that this year. But like Carmelo Anthony, he can still bang down low and get a nice hook shot in there or a turnaround jump shot, you know? So I still like DeMarcus Cousins' versatility as a big man and someone who can rough it up still, even though his foot speed is gone. And yeah, just drain that three for you. And then number three, Serge Ibaka, for everything you said, lower end on that list is Gorgie Dang because he is like a poorer man, Serge Ibaka, in that respect. But yeah, those are the, the old dudes that I'd be okay with if the players with caveats to their contracts like Danilo Gallinari or Nicholas Batum or PJ Tucker were realistic options, then I would probably put them at the top of the list, especially a guy like Danilo who can still shoot the lights out but do it at a 6'10 height, you know? But yeah, for the most part, yeah, these are the guys that we hope that the Lakers would still consider. And, you know, you always want them to be a little bit more measured in their approach where it's like you feel like any season or off season where they misfired on a certain aspect of things, they course correct, but course correct way too much on the other side. So it's almost like I'm afraid they'll just go like, hey, LeBron 80, here's a bunch of 21-year-olds. It's like, uh, okay, <laughs> can, yeah. we, can we make this a little bit more balanced? So yeah, let's bring in Thaddeus Young. Let's bring DeMarcus Cousins, et cetera. Anything else to add? No, I mean, when you said that, it made me think of when LeBron was with Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance and Cleveland, and it was like, okay, here's all these young dudes, and I mean, like, they made noise, obviously, they were great in the playoffs, but yeah, uh, as I was looking at all the, you know, lists and the players and stuff, it's like, okay, let's not get too, like, ooh, good, this guy's, like, 20 years old, perfect, like, let's just get a bunch of 20-year-olds, um, so we are adding a little bit of balance with these dudes who are in their early 30s, right? It's like, that's yeah. still like the tail end of a player's prime, you know? So uh, I- I'm all for that. I'm just surprised that you didn't mention DJ Augustine. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I was snorting. I was snorting when you said that, you know, I, I-, I know you caught that. <laughs> Worst wedding DJ ever. Don't hire him for your wedding. Anyways, and no, just kidding. Nothing against DJ. He actually shot really I'm well sure, with the Lakers. Actually, I know. He had some good games. Why are we joshing <laughs> so. on DJ Augustine? Anyways, uh, Alan, thank you for joining me for this segment. See you later. Anyways, with that said, we'll leave it here. Uh, good luck to the Lakers. Um, good luck to our free agency run here. And I honestly, crossing fingers, I hope Darvin Ham can work his magic and we can get some some cheapo guys to come in and ring chase a little bit. Um, It's going to be a long shot, but we'll see. We're going to need a lot of things. We're going to need everything to shake out right, actually. This next year, we're going to need to have 
four Malik Monk veteran minimum hits. You know what I'm saying? For any of this to work, we're going to need THT to have his skyrocket fourth-year development really bloom to the surface here. And Austin Reeves to take another leap, Stanley Johnson to take another leap, and everybody to stay healthy. So we'll see. But free agency is here. Buckle up, and uh, we will catch you guys when all the madness starts happening. So, laters. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.